Doop 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 Yeah, yeah, more shows for animals. We gon' make your face glow with all these facts. You gon' hear us on the radio. Just do nothing, going with the flow. Don't worry, small ideas will always grow. It'll never hit a plateau. I don't need none of this, no. Just advertisement so I can get that though We're not leaving now, our home is a studio Don't forget to comment, check back in tomorrow yeah, yeah. Hello ladies and gentlemen And welcome to Mo Shows on Random Walls This podcast is for our summative assignment of NBE3U Contemporary Aboriginal Studies Today we are talking about the novel Starlight Written by Richard Wagamese Which really made us Whoa and we want to discuss it today with you. We also have a special guest today, Eugene Roth. So tell us, how did you like the novel, Eugene? Hey, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. It's a great honor. I like the novel a lot because I think it, that it explores some of the issues that are very present within society, especially within indigenous communities, and which are traumatic experiences and healing. I think it explores the idea of how a person can sometimes be haunted by their past traumas, and Richard Wagamese's novel beautifully incorporates this concept with the ongoing healing process, making this a rather happy and optimistic novel about a brighter and better future for us. I definitely agree with you. He does have a way with intertwining the negative effects of our past and adding in some positive ways and techniques that healing can be achieved in order to attain that optimistic tone. I think the big question in this book is... What is required for an individual to be able to move on from their past traumatic experiences? Yeah, that definitely sounds like an essential question that is evident in the book. I think that there's definitely a component of being able to move on in this book that we sometimes see in the bigger world. And I guess sometimes we do need to ask ourselves, well, how do we move on? What do we need to do? Yeah, for sure. Starlight is a sequel to the book Medicine Walk, in which Franklin is now an adult living alone on the farm after the old man passes away until his friend Roth joins him, which is you. The book starts off revolving around three different stories, the first being Starlight and Roth living on the land and doing regular farm chores together. However, we are also introduced to Frank's new passion of photography and running on the land with wild animals in order to capture their true form, as the author describes it. His pictures are unbelievable and stunning because of his ability to get so close with the animals due to his connection with the land and the animals. The second story is of a woman named Emmy and her daughter Winnie who runs away with a child from her abusive partner and attempts to kill him by setting his cabin on fire. Cadet, Emmy's boyfriend, and his friend Anderson, who is living with them, end up surviving which creates the plot of the third story. Cadet and Anderson's hate and desires for revenge fuels them into a lingering journey in their attempt of finding Emmy. Emmy and Winnie are found by Franklin after they are caught trying to shoplift from a grocery store, and Frank manages to get them out of trouble with the police and decides to take them in, with Emmy working as a housekeeper in order to help them get back on their feet. Frank eventually teaches Emmy and Winnie what he knows about the land and peace in order to help them heal. However, they are found by Cadet and Anderson, and what pursues is a face-off of hate, revenge, and ultimately, love and forgiveness. Couldn't I say it better myself? I like the way you describe the ending, a face-off of hate, revenge, and ultimately, love and forgiveness. Because that's exactly the way the story develops. Somehow, like, the story is built upon the stages of grief. First of all, one unhealthy way to escape from our past traumas is through denial. This is represented in the book when Emmy runs away from her abusive relationship. Denial is one of the ego's defense mechanisms as outlined by psychologist Sigmund Freud. It is described as neglecting one's own problems and pretending like they have not happened. 
basically shutting them out of our conscious mind. By leaving that life behind, she is choosing to keep it in her past and not have to live with it or think about it, thus attempting to deny the problem out of her life altogether. She is also representing the first stage of grief because her situation is causing her a lot of stress, and she is attempting to cope with it through denial. So tell me, Roth, what are the effects of attempting to deny one's own problems? Well, that's a good question, because denial is a common way to deal with problems just because it comes first in them stages of grief. Denying one's own problems might be good for the conscious mind since it reduces the stress of not having to think about it, but it definitely doesn't make the problems disappear. In my opinion, I think it's better to face our problems face on, at least that's what I learned from Frank. Just go straight up to the source of hate and give it peace, calmness. Wow, that's a pretty upfront way of dealing with your problems. Definitely easier said than done. However, sometimes it can also become confusing on what to do once you do face your problems. Absolutely. Many people just want to go in there and yell their lungs out, speak their mind, and just let their hate and craving for revenge take over them. It is important to show calmness, love, and forgiveness because giving hate is like hurting yourself. The more you give, the more you hurt. We just need to look at it rationally and act calmly, not letting our hate win. Because when we show any sign of anger or frustration, we have let our hate win this conflict. And even more so, I think that Richard Wagamese wants to tell us that facing our problems is so important because that if we don't, they will haunt us. At the beginning of the book, Emmy's traveling in the car she stole from Cadet and is, need of, is in the need of food. She stops at this farm and asks the lady there, Viv Anders, if she's able to do any work for food and gas. After finishing the work, Viv tells them, whatever it is you're running away from is never really going to get left behind. way of dealing with your problems. Definitely easier said than done. However, sometimes it can also become confusing on what to do once you do face your problems. Absolutely. Many people just want to go in there and yell their lungs out, speak their mind, and just let their hate and craving for revenge take over them. It is important to show calmness, love, and forgiveness, because giving hate is like hurting yourself. The more you give, the more you hurt. We just need to look at it rationally and act calmly, not letting our hate win. Because when we show any sign of anger or frustration, we have let our hate win this conflict. And even more so, I think that Richard Wagamese wants to tell us that facing our problems is so important because if we don't, they will haunt us. At the beginning of the book, Emmy's traveling in the car she stole from Cadet and is, need of, is in the need of food. She stops at this farm and asks the lady there, Viv Anders, if she's able to do any work for food and gas. After finishing the work, Viv tells them, whatever it is you're running away from is never really going to get left behind. If we don't, they will haunt us. At the beginning of the book, Emmy is traveling in the car she stole from Cadet and is in need of food. She stops at this farm and asks the lady there, Viv Anders, if she is able to do any work for food and gas. After finishing the work, Viv tells them, Whatever it is you're running away from is never really going to get left behind. And that is on page 39. Even if we are able to run away from our problems and make them invisible to our conscious mind, they will still exist unconsciously and will always haunt us. Viv is attempting to explain how a problem will always be there no matter how far you try to run or how much you try to ignore it. So it is crucial to attempt to step up and solve all problems since we can't run away from them. This is why denial and, and Emmy running away from her past life in Cadet is an example of unhealthy healing. Yes, denial is also a defense mechanism that is displayed by people when presented with indigenous issues. Many people just have the perceived notion that the government pays for all of their expenses and needs, and they are tended to be closed-minded, and this is clearly seen in episode 4 of Fourth Forest Fire when they hold the class teaching people in indigenous issues. I think that the problem is with child-rearing, since behavior is something that is learned, according to Albert Bandura's learned theory. Many children are raised in ignorant or racist environments and attain this racism through their parents. One way to fix this is through education. You know, I saw some 
Google's taking up this cool contemporary Aboriginal studies course code, which is an amazing thing and a huge step for reconciliation because it allows our younger generations to be educated on these issues so that when they grow up to become leaders in society, they can make better decisions through the knowledge that they have. Fixing our education system and incorporating indigenous issues within it can hugely help us to overcome the racism and inequality that indigenous people this is just a quick side note letting our listeners that Eugene Roth was referring to 8th fire and just said 4th fire by mistake. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I think that hate can sometimes swallow us up and it can cause us to forget who we really are. And that actually brings us to the second point. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Mel's Grocery Store, the best grocery store in Andaco. This week is our annual Buy 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 sale, so come in and buy all the groceries you need for your family. Remember, food's a good mood, but it's better with family. Secondly, Cadet also displays the qualities of leaving behind his past traumas in an unhealthy way. Cadet is traumatized by the fire that Emmy left them in to die. This near-death experience haunts Cadet and rises an unstoppable hate that fuels him. This motivation is why he seeks to get revenge with Emmy, and he uses this hatred to keep him going on his non-stop journey looking for her. Throughout his city-to-city search, he starts fighting random people at bars and clubs. It's a defense mechanism known as displacement, another defense mechanism from Sigmund Freud's, where the individual attempts to pick up a hobby that they can use to let out their emotions in order to deal with their own problems. Cadet's hobby turns intense and sinister as he starts showing his opponents no mercy and keeps beating them even after they have gone unconscious. Cadet uses his hobby of fighting random strangers to project the hate that he has for Emmy on something else so that he doesn't have to deal with it or feel stressed out from the waiting until he finds her. This relates to the second stage of grief, which is anger. An individual will usually display anger and emotions of strong discomfort in order to address their problems because of the shock and surprise of it, as well as not knowing what else to do. Cadet's decisions are not only completely wrong and immoral, but, all- but it also causes them trouble and almost gets them arrested multiple times. My first question for you, Mr. Roth, is what are the effects of hate and revenge on an individual? I think that hate and revenge can actually destroy and take over an individual. With the cadet's example, it causes him to take up the hobby of fighting other people. It turns into this ruthless character who has no mercy or love for his opponents. The author describes him as a black hole that absorbed and killed everything and made it disappear into a whirling vortex whose only gravity was pain. Pretty dark way of describing him. Realistically, to me, this isn't even considered as moving on from your past traumas because he's still clinging on it. He's letting it control him and change his life, so he isn't really doing anything to move on or confront his problems. That's an interesting opinion. I would like to disagree with that. I think that having hate and seeking revenge is a common reaction that many people turn to when they feel anger towards a person or they feel like they have been betrayed. For them, revenge and getting back at their enemy or whoever allows them to feel accomplished and having healed by asserting their dominance and power, not letting themselves be seen as weak. Interesting. Yet, I still don't think that an individual can truly move on, even if they think they can, because it will always haunt them and they will never achieve that full satisfaction or closure until they address the problem face on. Now tell me, what makes revenge so attractive? Why does it seem like such a good option that it is a component of many people's healing process? I think it all goes back to that hate, because a wise man once said, there is no such thing as hate. There is only a lack of love. So I think that once we lose our love for something, which is usually what happens when we experience something bad, we tend to work towards making the other person also lose their love for what they have because we want to get even and make them feel like what we feel. 
Absolutely, and it can be problematic. I have a quote for you too. Hate can sometimes be the cause of our own demise. You explain to us the effects of hate on an individual, and I think that those effects can even destroy people because they end up losing more of their love and what they have than gaining something from the revenge and hate they keep within. Next question, Roth. Why do you think abuse is vivid in indigenous societies? I think that the big reason for abuse in indigenous societies is trauma. Just like we talked about with Kadet, abuse can sometimes be a way to displace our anger onto something else so that we don't have to actually face our problems. Having that fear and hurt in you can really mess you up, and trauma is very present in the indigenous society. That's a pretty cool connection. Now, why do you think that the effects of trauma are very present in indigenous communities? That's a pretty cool connection. Now, why do you think the effects of trauma are very present in the indigenous community? That's a really good question. I think it's because of all the hurt they've been through. Like, just look at it. Re residential schools, 60 scoop, millennial scoop, all of that has messed them up. They were taken away from their parents and raised by either foster parents or nuns. Either way, their identity was taken from them. And guess what happened once they became adults? They go right back to where they came from. Except they don't know how to act anymore because their culture, language, religion, and spirituality has been taken away from them. So now their families won't accept them. And the government definitely won't accept them. What do they do? All their life, they never had no proper role models. So as soon as they have kids, they don't know what good parenting looks like. Not only that, but they think all that abuse and harassment they suffered is normal. So they do it to their kids. Why? Because they don't know any better. The problem in indigenous communities ain't the trauma. It's the intergenerational trauma that keeps getting passed down. Which is why they just can't get over it. Like, even the ones that haven't been affected by residential schools or by child services are still being controlled. They are restricted on their own land. If they want to start a business, they need a pass. So, what do you expect? The government has restricted and hurt them in so many ways. Not only that, but look at the limited amount of resources they have. Very few reserves have psychologists working there full time, which is such a huge problem. Because from all of this hurt comes mental illnesses. And if they don't even have the proper resources to deal with them, then tell me. What are they supposed to do? Wow, Roth, I totally agree. I think that the fact that indigenous people were hurt and then disregarded as in not having the proper resources is probably the basis of this immense issue. There is one really good example of healthy healing that we see in the book that I wanted to bring up. In the book, when Franklin finally admits his feelings for Emmy, he talks about love and being able to move on from a difficult past. He uses the example of the young mare he has. He explains how he acquired it from the animal rescue agency because it was being neglected and abused by its previous owner and how it wouldn't let him get closer to her because she didn't trust him and had forgotten how to be a horse, as Wagamese puts it. Starlight starts slowly gaining her trust by sleeping in the barn beside her and taking her out on walks that when he lets her out on the field alone she finally starts running out on the pasture like the horse she was meant to be. Franklin describes this as a way to heal from trauma and explains didn't try to change her at all just let her find herself in the love I was given. I think this quote can tell us a lot about how we can overcome our own traumas. So the question is how does love allow us to overcome our traumatic experiences? By the way that quote is on page 204. Wow, that's a beautiful quote. I think that love is a big concept that can allow the individual to feel a sense of worthiness in who they are because oftentimes they may feel shame and not worthy of connection because of what is happening to them. And I think Richard Wagamese wants to describe the effect of love and being loved for an individual. People who are going through difficult traumas may not feel like they have many people who are there for them, even though they are greatly loved. 
all in all, I think that the, the important idea is that people who love you will not try to change you or make you someone different, but will just love you for who you are. And this compassion can allow us to feel that sense of worthiness and find ourselves again, as well as recognize who we are as individuals. This in turn can help us to live a better life by having that optimism, optimism and motivation to keep going. Absolutely. Frank is a key character in the story, but he isn't a perfect one. What is Frank's role in the healing of others? Well, I think that Frank definitely has a major impact in the healing of Emmy and Winnie. He teaches them that he knows about the land and takes them out there in order to give them something which has helped him move forward with his life. Emmy and Winnie immediately find peace in the land and this passion is something that allows them to heal and have something that they can really hold on to and call theirs. Emmy explains her feeling towards living with Starlight and his gift of the land and the appreciation of the land that he teaches them and gives them. Something I never had before. Something Winnie never had either. A place where we feel safe, secure. By giving Emmy the land and his teaching, Starlight is able to give this place of security to Emmy because it is something that will always be there for her and that she can always turn to. No matter what happens, the land's always there for her. I think that Frank's role in helping others allows him to heal himself as well. The reason why Starlight takes in Emmy and Winnie is because he sees a hint of himself in them. He feels like he was in that same position as a child, not knowing who he was or what to do. Because of this, he decides to take them in and help them out. But I also think that by helping them out, Franklin is also healing himself. He describes his concept called unbroken territory, a place where nobody has been, a place that is so beautiful, yet you are so scared of going there scared of losing yourself and what you find. He also explains that people in love can be unbroken country and Frank feels this with Emmy. In the book he says, you make me forget how I lived up to now and that is on page 204. Franklin's vulnerability and compassion for others actually helps him to recognize the struggles of other people and allows him to appreciate others and be grateful for his life. It allows him to view a different angle and be able to see both the beauty and ugliness of the world, increasing his appreciation. And I think that by opening up with Emmy and helping her out, Starlight is able to finally love again, allowing him to live life with a different viewpoint and a different motivation that he has never seen before. That allows him to forget his past life and seeing a better life ahead of him with people that he loves. And in that, I think that Starlight's vulnerability with Emmy allows him to heal himself. Wow, that was beautiful, and I definitely agree. Him helping others makes him a better person to remember that people are important, and when he is able to love people, he can finally love himself. You know what? I have a question for you, Mo. Oh, well, that was unexpected, but sure, go ahead. Shoot me with your best shot. How is love for others and oneself a problem in indigenous communities today? Well, that's a good question, Roth. I think that the problem with love in the indigenous community is that many people have forgotten how to love. First of all, like we said earlier, parents don't know how to be parents because they may have either had abusive parents or none at all if they were placed in residential schools, but they would have had abusive nuns. The result is the parent in not knowing how to love their child, and more importantly, not knowing how to display this love and compassion because they never received it in the first place. Moreover, many indigenous children who lived with abusive parents or were taken away by residential schools, the 60s scoop, or even the millennial scoop, and placed in foster homes never really got to be kids because of the abuse and neglect they suffered. With the medicine wheel, there are four parts you see. The first is being a child, the next is being a teenager, and after that it is being an adult, and finally it is being an elder. If someone has not been a child, they will find it very difficult to be a parent because they don't know what the expected behaviors of a child are, according to indigenous teachings. This is why the parent and the child are placed across from each other in the medicine wheel, because you need one in order to achieve the other. 
As for the love for oneself, many people lose this once they lose their love for others because they can't trust others and only see the imperfections of life, which makes them see the imperfections of themselves. This can even cause people to lose hope and can cause mental illnesses and even suicide, which explains why suicide rates are so much higher in reserves than the rest of Canada. Losing love in others is because of the lack of resources and institutions on reserves and the poor conditions that they are living in, which causes them to lose trust in the system and thus in people. One solution to this would be to improve living conditions on reserves. For example, Atahualpa has a major housing crisis where there are many people without homes and those who do have homes are living in unsafe conditions. Providing better resources is one of the first steps that we could take to help improve the problems seen in the indigenous community today. Well, that's a really good question, Roth. I think that the problem with love in the indigenous community is that many people have forgotten how to love. First of all, like we said earlier, parents don't know how to be parents because they may have either had abusive parents or none at all if they were placed in residential schools. The result is a parent not knowing how to love their child, and more importantly, not knowing how to display this love and compassion because they had never received it in the first place. Moreover, many indigenous children who lived with abuse or were taken away by residential schools, the 60s scoop, or even the millennial scoop, and placed in foster homes never really got to be kids because of the abuse and neglect they suffered. You see here, with the medicine wheel, there are four parts. First, it is being a child. Next, it is being a teenager. After that, it is being an adult. And finally, it is being an elder. If someone has not been a child, they will find it very difficult to be a parent because they don't know what the expected behaviors of being a child are. This is why the parent and the child are placed across from each other in the medicine wheel, because you need one in order to achieve the other. As for love of oneself, many people lose this once they lose their love for others because they can't trust others and only see the imperfections of life, which makes them see the imperfections of themselves. This can cause people to lose hope and can cause mental illnesses and even suicide, which explains why suicide rates are so much higher in reserves than in the rest of Canada. Losing love in others is because of the lack of resources and institutions on reserves and the poor conditions that they are living in, which causes them to lose trust in the system and thus in people. One solution to this would be to improve living conditions on reserves. For example, Atahualpa has a major housing crisis where there are many people without homes and those who do have homes are living in unsafe conditions. Providing better resources is one of the first steps that we could take to help improve problems seen in the indigenous community today. Well, I think that that's a wrap for our first podcast. Today, we discussed the new novel, Starlight, written by Richard Wagamese. Our essential question today was, what is required in order for an individual to be able to move on from their past traumatic experiences? We discussed both unhealthy and healthy ways in which an individual can do this, which we also connected to the stages of grief, with the three, mon- with the three main ones being denial, anger, and acceptance. Finally, we were able to conclude that in order for us to be able to move on from our past traumatic experiences, we must be able to be vulnerable with others in the sense that we can open up to them and show them who we really are. By displaying the courage to show other people who we really are and what we have been through, we can gain a sense of worthiness, that we are worthy of love and connection and compassion, and overcome our hate and shame and be able to move on. Moreover, we must be able to surround ourselves with people who love us, because those who truly love us will love us for who we really are and will allow us to find ourselves in their love. They will also allow us to forget our past and live in a different way, and a better way, the way that we were meant to live. Richard Wagamese also intends to teach us that our scars define us for who we are. He wants us to think of life as a vase, 
If a vase has cracks, it is not about filling those cracks with gold, as he recalled an artist doing in a note he wrote, but it's about being brave enough to enter those cracks and celebrate them in order to accept them as a part of who we are. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ra. My pleasure. Did it for flanking is all. It was amazing you had... It was amazing having you here. Thank you to everybody that is listening and supporting us out there. Make sure to leave us a voice message if you have any questions, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much, and until then, farewell. Yay! Doop, 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 Yeah, yeah, most shows for random woes. We gon' make your face glow. With all those facts, you gon' hear us on the radio. Just doing our thing, gonna with the flow. Don't worry, small ideas will always grow. It'll never hit a plateau. I don't need none of this, no. It's advertisement, so I can get that, though. We're not leaving now. Our home is the studio. Don't forget to come and check back in tomorrow.